BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? You have another episode of Monday Suck. Uh, shit, I think I already lost count. I think this is the fourth episode. I'm not 100% sure. I said I was going to keep count under, uh, unlike my other two shows, but you know what? Whatever. It doesn't matter. If you're listening, that's the only thing that matters right now. Uh, apologize about the break last week. I had to work a lot of overtime to be able to uh, make up for me being able to have a four-day weekend. Yeah, you got to work more to be able to have a day off. I don't really know how that works either, but hey, you know, it's, it's fun. You know, you got to work hard, people. That's the only thing that really matters. So whatever you got to do to be able to get your days off to, um, you know, rest your head or uh, do whatever relaxing uh, techniques that you do. Maybe fight a kangaroo. I don't fucking know. Either way, this is Monday Stuck where we talk about news from the last week. I got – well, I got I got two special guests, uh, but my first special guest, uh, you might know him as my co-host from Wrestling Geeks Alliance, uh, brother Christopher Ray Patton. Chris, how are you doing tonight? Doing great, man. A little tired, feeling a little out of it, but uh, excited to talk about some some topics with you. So, how are how are you, man? How's things going over in on your side of the world? Dude, I, I, I have to say that um, I had a good weekend. I had a good four-day weekend. Um, I watched all of Stranger Things on the 4th because I don't have a life. Actually, I just I didn't make plans. I was going to call a couple people, see what's going on, and then I was like, I don't know, 10-ish. I was like, hey, I'm going to put on something from Netflix and see if there's any type of new documentary that I can watch you know, for the next hour or so. Uh, then I saw that Stranger Things was out, so that <laughs> that ended up being my day. So I did that, and then Friday I went over to my um, my roommate's uh, band's um, show over at Smith's Old Bar in Atlanta. Left around four, got way too drunk, might have made a bit of an ass out of myself, but shit happens. 
and uh, Saturday I went and saw Spider-Man. And Sunday I uh, watched a lot of uh, fighting. Uh, I caught up on the UFC fight, which we're about to talk about, and also watched uh, the first uh, part of the G1 tournament. So it was all fighting on Sunday, Chris. Um, But speaking of which, since we both watched it, um, and me and you, we talk about wrestling, but we don't usually get the chance to talk about you know, uh, MMA and I'm trying to get back into it. And I think that both my brother and I believe you said that if you were trying to get back into UFC, this was a damn good pay-per-view to watch. And I have to agree with that sentiment because, you know, I watched, I watched the the main card, the five matches. Um, It was good seeing Diego Sanchez on the card because he was the first uh, ultimate fighter winner and to see that he's still in it and great conditioning he just lost to a, uh, a lanky guy that, that had very very similar to GSP maneuvers with his judo and just being very fluid and moving with Diego, but he used to be a beast. But I think that we should talk about the uh, the, the three matches, the uh, welterweight match first with uh, Jorge uh, Masvidal versus uh, Ben Askren. Uh, these guys had a lot of heat. I watched the uh, pre um, – the the weigh-ins uh, and kind of like some of the background stuff before I watched the actual pay-per-view um, Sunday because I woke up rather early. So I get to find out a little bit of the background. So these guys don't like each other. They've been talking all sorts of shit. And uh, I guess Jorge wanted to prove a point because this ends up being the fastest knockout. It really should have been at three seconds technically, but the ref just didn't have enough time to be able to come over and be able to call it immediately. So it was five seconds. But – you know, Ben's, Brent, Ben's somewhat of a grappler, Chris, uh, from what it seems, at least. Um, and it looked like Jorge was going in there with the intention to, I'm going to trick him, make him think that I'm going to go in with a barrage of punches. So he tries to take me down. If he actually does that, I'm just going to run real quick at the end and jump up and knee him in the fucking face with my right knee. And that he did. And he knocked him out, uh, gave him two punches at the end uh, for good measure. And, uh, you know, basically called his ass out. And uh, I want to see a rematch because, you know, this is a fluke, not really a fluke win. I mean, it was accuracy. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, something out of nowhere where I want to see these. Now this is going to, if this happens the second fucking time, it's the craziest shit in UFC history. But what do you think about this match, the five-second knockout in the welterweight match for UFC? It was completely insane to see someone get laid out that quickly in the UFC fight. Um Obviously, like you said, he shot for the legs, and when he did, he took a massive knee. It was the, one of the gnarliest-looking knees I've seen in a long time, and just immediately goes down. He gets in two extra shots. I want uh, The ref did a great job of act, reacting quickly and stopping it as fast as he, as he could. I mean, it took him a couple – you know, like you said, one or two seconds to get over there, but – yeah, this this was a fight I think a lot of people thought was going to be you know, your exceptional striker versus your former Olympian uh, wrestler. And uh, what ended up happening is, he like like I said, he shot for the legs and uh, paid for it dearly. It was crazy. Um, and then, you know, all the backlash afterwards was the two extra shots and uh, the, the shit-talking um, that Jorge kind of did after the match like as soon as the guy while the guy was still knocked out basically that that, that seems to be what the internet has been in most up in arms about um but well, well it's it's it was nuts to watch for sure 
Yeah, just a very, very aggressive win. Aggressive is not even the word, man. That was just fucking nasty. That was that was mean. And and it looked like, you know, he v he v triggered him, if you will, with his left knee, because that's the one that kind of like went up. But when you see the rotating, which I thought was really cool, that rotating um, camera that they do, like the cinematic one that goes all the way way around. Uh, just seeing yeah. that it was actually the right knee that just there, stiff as fuck, right out. Um, damn. And then I think that the, 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 the last two fights of the night, the championship matches, you know, we were kind of talking about this. I haven't been associated with UFC in a very long time, but, you know, now when it comes to the concept of the most dominant, you know, greatest, and I think, I, I think I'm quoting John Jones, greatest is a uh, measure that, that's very um, – What's the word? Uh, fuck. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it doesn't have fact to it. It doesn't hold fact to it. You know, but when you said dominant based on their actual records, John Jones and Amanda Nunez are probably the best male and female fighter uh, in UFC history. Uh, so let's go over the Nunez fight. Went against uh, former uh, champion Holly Holmes, uh, who was the first person to knock out Ronda Rousey. Obviously noted. Uh, this is a pretty. I, I thought that, you know, in, Holly looked good basically at the beginning of this, Chris, and, I mean, shortly after it, it, it was downhill from there. It was a knockout. Holly's face got pretty roughed up, and Amanda's now beat every former female champion. Period. <laughs> so. Uh, I like I liked her uh, speech at the end. I think that she's she's a badass. I'm really looking forward to seeing who can be competition for her because there's really not anyone uh, right now. They even kind of mentioned that. So I guess she might change um, weight classes, but still, there's not that many people in the uh, the phantom weight or whatever uh, weight class outside of Chris Cyborg, I believe. And that's a, f- a fairly new, uh, you know, weight class division. It seems like, you know, compare her with John Jones. John Jones still has a lot of fucking people that want that title. Whereas, you know, Nunez is now at the top. She doesn't really have to worry about it. She's going to wait for someone to actually show that they're worth to go against her unless they do a sequel with someone else, which I, her and Chris Cyborg probably could have a, a sequel. What do you think is going to happen? How do you like the fight? This is a really good fight there for the four minutes it lasted. Um you know, right off the bat, it was a lot of them, you know, kind of dancing around and uh, fanning, just, just back a little bit of back and forth. And, and I thought Holly looked looked pretty good. And then, you know, four minutes in, that crazy head kick knockout was just it, it would have been the knockout of the night easily easily if we didn't see that crazy five second <laughs> win earlier, which I don't think you would uh, you know ex- like expect. Um, yeah, Amanda Nunes is shown that she's by far the greatest female fighter the UFC has ever seen. I don't think there's a debate in, in that at all. She's beaten pretty much anyone they stacked up against in, in handedly. Like, no one's really given her a, a challenge. So, I, you know, it. I guess you do the cyborg fight next, and you, you go back to that. You do the, you know, do the sequel, but there's not a whole lot uh, as far as fighters that she can go against like you said that she hasn't already beaten so it's it's uh it's gonna be weird to see what they end up doing i'm yeah, assuming what, they'll do cyborg and then 
hold Polly again what, what if until they can Cyborg build someone up. Again, though? You know, I mean, then they're really kind of like, fuck, like splitting hairs at that point. Yeah, I, I, I really, honestly, I don't know what you do with the, the – <laughs> Like like you said, there's I mean there's just not a lot more for her to accomplish. Um, I guess she'll just beat whoever they put her up against. She's I mean she's it's not that she's just beating people. She is just you know demolishing people in the first rounds of fights. It's not like it's insane. She she's by far the the best female fighter uh, the UFC's ever seen. I, I I don't know where you really go for that, but I, I always uh, enjoy watching her knock people the fuck out. So I'll probably watch the next fight as well. Um, but yeah, you know, like I said, it was, it was a fun fight, especially if you're a Nunez fan. Yep. I agree. Let's go to the, uh, the, the main, um, the main event, if you will, the light heavyweight championship between John Bones Jones and, uh, up and comer Diego Santos, uh, fucking monster dude, seven losses, 21 wins. I think he's undefeated, at least in UFC, uh, he's knocking people out in the first, uh, you know, the first or second round, basically. Fire in his fists, lumber in his legs. And he had a really good strategy, Chris, something that even, um, you know, John Jones uh, said that other people have attempted but didn't really get to him is he was taking his fucking his kicks and, and delivering them right to the uh, left calf of of uh john and until it was like you know welting and he was he was limping basically on it because he's got skinnier legs for such a bigger upper body um but both an accident on his part of what seemed like maybe he re-injured his knee that's what joe rogan was saying over and over again kind of looked like it what basically happened um and i'm sure people that are listening uh saw this he was trying to go for one of those kicks again when he came back he just he just uh landed wrong on his knee because he was kind of against the cage. And for whatever reason, you know, he was limping on it. So Jones started attacking that. And it was all a a matter of tactical John Jones kind of just waiting around and getting punches in. And and Diego or uh, Sanchez got a – or Santos, I should say, got a bunch of punches in as well. It was a really good fight to the end. Um, John just won it and, you know – he was asked about it, and he just said the, – the main question that Joe Rogan asked him was, like, why didn't you work, do any of your ground game? And he said that, you know, he thought it was a, uh, a, a game of chess the two are playing and that he thought that he was winning it and that he didn't need to take it down to the ground. So still got that cockiness, but he's still a, a bit forgiving. Um, you know, he's John Jones, man. Uh, he was becoming big when I kind of got out of UFC, but he's definitely been one of the more dominant people in mixed martial arts uh, since I've been out of it. So uh, what did you think of this match? It was a really fun fight. Uh, I thought it was a bit ridiculous that, that Jones didn't go to his ground game at all throughout the, the fight. Definitely cocky. And um, it, it was a split decision win. And, and to me, Jones controlled you know the, the whole fight for the most part. It's just it, – it seemed to me like he was trying to knock him out. And I, he almost got Santos in the third round. Um, he hit he hit him with like a really clean short elbow, and then Santos got hit like with a couple kicks after that, and then Jones yep. just missed a flying knee, or I think that you know we could have seen three knockouts in the same show, but you know overall it was a good fight, um, a fun, fun Jones fight for sure, and I you know there's lots of people like you said there's lots of people I think that are lined up to fight him down the line we'll, we'll see, uh, I think the big one that everyone wants is Cormier but. 
I don't see that they're going to do that unless Jones is going to come up a weight class um, as opposed to Cormier trying to lose weight. Well, I think that Cormier is just better at that at that weight class, and it, he's going to well, no, you know no, no. the amount I'm of weight saying, he would have to. Like it seems like both of them are at a loss if they try to do that fight. Because do you think DC wants the actual? If he can beat John Jones, he can beat John Jones, then he kind of redeems himself. You know, even though uh, there's a lot of fucking shit with the the last couple ones, but if he loses to him, God, that fucking sucks for DC and. Uh, you know, I just if I was John Jones, I'd be like, I'm good. I'm gonna stay right the fuck here. I'm gonna fight some. I, I it's gonna happen because it's a money fight, but it just doesn't seem like either one of them have a lot to gain uh, from it, except for John Jones if he fucking wins it, and then that's even more respect put down upon him. So, weird situation. Yeah. I mean, you know? it, it, it's a money fight, like you said. Like that's that's the reason to do it, and if Cormier is gonna retire anyways. You know, even win or lose, it doesn't really hurt him, especially if he's going to go out like if he's retiring, which he's been saying he's planning on retiring towards the end of this year. So, I don't know. We'll see. That's, I mean, that's the fight yep. I think everyone wants to see for sure. Yep. Well, let's, uh, I kind of want to switch this and just real quick uh, give a uh, preview of Wednesday because there's two matches from the G1 tournament. Uh, that I think everyone's talking about and we won't talk too much into it, but kind of if you guys are fans of wrestling and you just listen to Monday suck or your new listeners, regardless, me and Chris do a show every Wednesday, 7 PM EST. Unless I change the time because of my own scheduling bullshit um, called wrestling geeks Alliance. You guys can find it on blog talk uh, or on gvnation.com, which has links to pretty much every way to listen to it from Spotify to iTunes and all that jazz. But, uh, if you're a wrestling fan, there's a thing called the G1 tournament going on. They started off over here in America, um, and the the Kenta versus um, what you call Kota Ibushi in the Okada Tanahashi match. Holy shit! Both those matches were fucking awesome, and I have to say that Kota Ibushi can take a fucking beating because Kenta was out to prove something that he wasn't that washed up. Hito Atami concept that WWE kind of created and threw in the 205 division. They had a fucking brawl, and Kota Ibushi, his selling abilities, Chris, I'm just making him look like he's devastated. Just really, really good. And, of course, Okada and Tanahashi had a fucking amazing match. Um, man, when's Tanahashi going to stop doing the fucking uh, crossbody to the outside? <laughs> like, he's getting up there in age, you know? He's never going to stop, man. He's never going to stop high fly flowing to the floor <laughs> unless they, Jeez. unless he just absolutely can't move anymore. Um, I know his knees are, are, are not in the best of shape, but they had a hell of a match, him and Okada and Tanahashi, which was expected. Um, just great back and forth action. I really enjoyed it. And the Kenta Ibushi match was also really great as well. Like you pointed out, um, Ibushi getting a, a or Kenta getting a win, I think, at the beginning of this tournament is important because no one kind of knows where he was at. Like, he kind of left uh, left WWE, and, and no one knew really what he was going to do from there. And a lot of people thought his career may be done or kind of over as he is, you know, he is older. Um, but this is a good reintro- reintroduction to the Japanese audience and some of the American audience, too, to some extent. Um back to what he can actually be because at one point in time he was considered the greatest wrestlers in the world um so it was good to see him have a high level match for sure 
And uh, as always, Kata's still my favorite wrestler. <laughs> and he had fucking another great, amazing man. match. He's just fucking great. He's a great storyteller. Um, he picks up the win over Tanahashi, which I'm fine with because it's the G1. And, and doubtfully, you know, Wakata's not going to go all the way to the end anyway, so he's going to take some losses uh, later on. But yeah, this was a hell of a way to start it in, in Dallas, Texas. I thought the card itself was pretty good. The, the most surprising thing was the Lance Archer win over Will Ospreay. Um, yeah. But outside of that, just – and, and that, even that was a really good were... match. I kind of, I mean, Tanahashi Okada is one way or the other, because Tanahashi won last year, but Okada is a champion. But Ibushi losing to Kenta, that's very interesting. And even um, even Zack Sabre losing to Sonata at his own game, basically, was kind of an interesting, uh, The very, I, I like it when they keep you in suspense with, with what they're doing. You don't know who's going to fucking win. Um, but uh, who would you rather take a, a diving uh, double double foot, foot stomp from between Kenta or Loki if you had to Ugh, god guy now uh, I guess I guess Kenta probably I, I think I could convince him not to kill me uh it, I mean the actual answer is Finn Balor I feel like that's the safest he's the safest <laughs> one to take <laughs> Finn, Finn's the uh, better one but yeah definitely check out our show guys if you like wrestling just wanted to give you like a little bit of a uh a little bit of a preview, and uh, we got to talk about some UFC. But let's talk about some uh, some other stuff, Chris. Uh, I kind of want to talk about the uh, the short list of actors uh, that are going to be in Baz Luhrmann's uh, Elvis Presley movie. Uh, it's a biopic, um, and very interesting uh, people. Three of them, I think, are guys that are on the rise in Hollywood right now. Uh, one of them being Ansel Elgort, who is in Baby Driver. A uh, very popular actor. Uh, I like him a lot. Aaron Taylor Johnson, um, who was really good in Nocturnal Animals recently. He was also obviously in Kick-Ass, and uh, he was Quicksilver in the MCU. And also Miles Teller, who was in Whiplash. Huge fan of that film. Um, and then there's two singers uh, that are both performers, uh, quote-unquote. But it's Harry Styles from One Direction and Austin Butler who is Selena Gomez's boyfriend. That's the only thing I know him from at all. So I'm going to take him off the thing. Harry, I he's been in movies, I'm pretty sure, as of recent. I think he was in fucking, um, uh, what the hell? Uh, the movie, uh, the war movie from Christopher Nolan that came out. He played one of the uh, smaller roles in was it. Was it Dunkirk? Is that the one you're... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Dunkirk. And he actually, his solo album, I know a lot of people are going to make make fun of the One Direction. If you listen to his solo album, it was very, very old school bluesy rock, so I actually did appreciate that. But either way, uh, legitimate actor, he can sing. I'm pretty sure Miles Teller can sing. I know that he can play the drums, so maybe I'm just assuming that. I'm not sure about uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, but that doesn't usually have to matter necessarily. You watch movies like... Um, uh, the Freddie Mercury one that just came out recently, you know, he wasn't singing, obviously. But you hear the shortlist of actors, Chris. Um, you hear that Boz Lerman, who is, uh, you know, kind of hit or miss. You know, we were talking about it beforehand. I love Moulin Rouge. Uh, I always liked Romeo and Juliet. Not a fan of The Great Gatsby. But he's made other films like Australia. I'm not going to pretend I've seen that. I think Nicole Kidman's in it. Someone Australian's in the fucking movie, apparently. Uh, either way, what do you think about the casting, and who do you want? 
I thought of the guys listed. I think Miles Teller would be he 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 doesn't look like Elvis, but uh, he's to me he's the best actor out of out of each of these each of these guys. So um, I guess it, it, like out of the people that they have here, he'd be he'd be my choice. The more exciting thing for me is that Tom Hanks has already announced that he's going to be playing you know Colonel Tom Parker in the movie, and Tom Hanks generally doesn't sign on to anything that he thinks is going to be bad um, at this point in his career. So I have hopes that this movie is going to be pretty good either way with you know whoever they go with in the casting um elvis is just such a unique character and so is colonel tom parker in a lot of ways so it's going to be uh i don't know it's, it's something to look forward to um they're doing a lot of these these uh music movies back to back to back so hopefully that doesn't affect it too bad but um yeah yeah i, I also think you know angel elgort i think i pronounced that right uh was pretty great in baby driver so maybe a, a, like a short list second person out of these these candidates he would he'd probably be the second choice i'd have yeah i really like Angel elgort i think he's a damn uh good upcoming actor i actually said that which is very possible unfortunately due to what's happening that if ezra miller doesn't come back at the flash and they reboot it I'd like to see him play the Flash. I think that he would uh, be very, very good at that role. But uh, I, Miles Teller is actually my number one choice. I could see Aaron Taylor Johnson doing a good job with it too, um, you know. But I'm just happy they're finally doing an Elvis biopic because it's been a long time, and I know that's usually comes down to rights of the estate or the the living musicians, uh, if that's the case. But with this happening, God, I, there's I'm going to say there's five. Uh, out of rock, rock icons, five biopics that I would love to see. Um, and I mean, the Beatles, you know, I know that's a lot to ask, but my Lord, there's so much story that you could tell. And instead of making these really, really cool concepts, like yesterday is about a guy that tries to bring back the Beatles to people that don't remember them or whatever, or across the universe, it's a musical. Just make a movie about the fucking Beatles. Like them making the White Album could be a fucking movie by itself. I was a big yeah. fan of um, Aaron Taylor Johnson when he made uh, the the Nowhere Man, where he played John Lennon. I thought that, that was a really fun movie when they're young kids. But I want a Beatles movie. I you can actually have it so you kind of go over the early shit and just get to Rubber Soul and then really go into it because that's when they kind of start growing as musicians and really you know change the dynamics and trying drugs. Uh, probably had something to do with maybe influences from people like Brian Wilson and Bob Dylan and drugs uh, also had something to do with it. Uh, but yeah, Beatles, you know, uh, fucking the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, the who, all those bands. Uh, shit. Uh, I would love to see a um, Stevie Wonder movie. I think would be an incredible fucking biopic. Do you have anything, uh, anyone I'm not, not like out of the, the, the big names of the past or even someone I'm not thinking of, Chris, what would you like to see as a musical biopic? I mean, a guy that has a pretty damn crazy story, um, and you can even tie it into uh, his wife as well. George Jones, I think, would be a real fun biopic just because of his career and, and kind of – you know him being the biggest country music star, but also being a raging alcoholic and being married to Tammy Wynette, and uh, like things like him shooting at people and pulling guns on people, like lots of interesting stories to tell with the possum. And I felt like that'd be a pretty, pretty good one, good one to do. Um, all the ones that you named, I mean, the Led Zeppelin would be another big one. I would be into seeing a, a proper Beatles one, similar to how they did Queen. I'd be super into seeing. 
Um, a movie about Billy Joe Shaver, another – he's kind of more of an independent uh, country musician and songwriter, but he would also be a, a fun story um, just because of all the crazy shit he did throughout his career. So mo- some of the ones that I want to see are more just because like I like the actual uh, story, uh, like the, their career story in, in a lot of ways, and, and that that's a big piece of it to me. And then that, that the whole outlaw country scene in general, there's so many – artists that you can kind of pull away from that uh mike judge has a a show called like uh, stories from the tour bus i believe is what it's called and it's animated but it's just all of them telling like behind the music of some of these guys like waylon jennings and billy joe shaver and, and george jones and tammy wynette and stuff like that and it's it's enthralling and i would love to see it acted out with some like really good actors with a lot of these uh a lot of those stories so that's kind of the ones that i would be thinking of the most but definitely like led zeppelin stones beatles those if, as long as they can get the right style of music and and do it right i would be totally down to see that for sure which i think that's the biggest thing is trying to get the rights uh, especially from with 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 the beatles movie Maybe it's been long enough, but I feel like Yoko might be an issue with all that unless they she really greenlights whatever representation of John's in the movie. There would be certain things they'd have to get around, but I mean, if you're going to do these movies, and I love Queen, I love Elton John, you know, I was a big fan of Ray, you know, I love I, I love music and I love movies, so that combination, uh, very much like comic book films, is something I enjoy. But seeing some of my favorites, some of the biggest ones, definitely would be awesome to see um you know all right so now that we talked about the elvis stuff let's go on more of a uh, a hot topic chris Alrighty. Uh, you know i gotta state it as that because that's fucking the world that we live in but um i think it was last wednesday uh, a good chunk of twitter and facebook lost their minds with the casting decision of hallie bailey a 19 year old actress who's previously been on um, I think you, I think you said that she's from Blackish. She's a Disney actress. She's playing Ariel basically in The Little Mermaid. Um, and a lot of people were not too happy about it. Uh, Grownish is actually what I meant to say. Um, so I guess the best way to go into this is just to be realistic. In the in the, uh, I don't understand why people have such a problem. Like if 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 your issue, and I guess I mean it's not too reasonable, people. But you know, I saw this one girl that's on our page. I'm not going to name her because that would be rude. But she's the same person that said this when Zendaya was going to play Mary Jane. And honestly, I thought Zendaya was playing Ariel for the longest time. I thought that that was a rumor that I guess I didn't find out was not true. Um, but she she was more it kind of sucked for her because she's a redhead and she wanted to see fucking redheads blah 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 I get that I'm more when it comes to things like you know if you were to change the race of a superhero character like a Black Canary is a good example because she just got she's now African American the actress is as long as Black Canary's blonde I don't really have a fucking problem with it I'm more about like that type of trait and and I I don't know if the word's aesthetic but like that type of concept. And definitely I care about more so than um, worrying about changing the race of a character because there's so many, especially when it comes to comic book universes, which, you know, it kind of goes back to, there's so fucking many characters and you don't see a lot of representation. I, I think about kids 
when I think about this, and when I was a kid, and I saw lots of superheroes, you know, not only superheroes, but characters in movies and stuff like that. There were there were main heroes, if you will, to look up to that looked like me. And to not have that concept, you know, and, and think about African Americans. I mean, we we haven't even had a Latino superhero, you know. Period. I mean, and it's 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 uh, troublesome that that something like this would bother people to the extent to make petitions. I have no idea, Chris, why fucking what people for when it comes to petitioning, people are fucking idiots. You know, it's either to fucking change the race back of a goddamn fictional uh, mermaid based off of a fucking weird gothic like 1800s or even before that story uh, or trying to get Zack Snyder's version of Batman versus Superman out for release. Like just find fucking better (laughs) things to do. Um, and it's very bothersome to see some of the, the, the stuff that people would actually say and just not understand just humans and just like the concept. I know it sounds stupid and sound, makes me sound like a dumb hippie that we just can't all love each other. Like we really have to think about stuff like this in such a negative light. I'm, I'm completely fine with this. There's always the original fucking version that's never going to go away with this and I just hope she has red hair. That's my biggest thing. I really that's I hope that she has red hair. I kind of want to see that um that's still presented but you know there is there is a flip side but before we get there I'm going to let Chris comment first on this and I'll kind of get into uh some uh, some of the other stuff I felt about with this whole entire thing. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel the same way. You, I don't really care. It's if it's an original if it's going to be a new representation of a movie for my childhood in general, it's already something that I'm not necessarily stoked on. So, like, whoever's cast it and how they cast it's never really been a, it was never really my issue with a lot of things like this, more so than just like, you're doing an animated film from my childhood. It's going to be live action and CGI. Hopefully, it's good. Like, I went in with, uh, I mean, people had the same backlash with uh, Will Smith as the genie, and the movie did great. A lot of people really, really love it. So, I don't understand, like, why you would. He's so against this. Um, I just like, I guess, just your nostalgia for the the show itself, or either that, or just blind racism, um, just to put it bluntly. But my more of my problems with this is just more of the it's Disney doing four of these CGI like live action films back to back to back. They're all for my childhood. I think that's more of my problem with it. Um, the only thing about the casting I would point out is that. As an actress, she hasn't done a whole lot um, outside of Gronish. And Gronish is the only thing I, I have seen her in, and that is uh, she's not the primary character because it's based on uh, it's based on Zoe Johnson from uh, Blackish, um, and I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the the main cast member's name because I, I, I will slaughter it. But um, out of that, outside of that, I haven't seen any of these other uh, any of the other films that she's been in or, or worked on. And um, I don't know. I guess it, it seems like that she's worked with Disney in the past, like on Wrinkle of Time. She did the soundtrack for. So I, I'm assuming they know what the hell they're doing, man. And like, just give it a chance before you shit on it, just because it's not like the exact character representation or the exact skin tone of what a animated film was that came out 20 years ago. Um, 
that's that's kind of how I, I kind of feel the same way about that as, as you do, Dave, as far as how that's handled. Yeah, and I one thing I, I saw, you know, that a lot of people said. Now I don't know if the level of popularity between Ariel the Mermaid and Aquaman, but like no one gave a flying fuck that they changed, you know, Aquaman from a white dude with blonde hair to being a Samoan guy. Um, and that's, that's kind of, that's a reasonable thing to, to complain about. You know, I, I think it is pretty amazing as of lately, how many characters have been changed. And a lot of them, like people that fucking like the black canary thing, it's like, really, that's the fucking character you're going to fucking pick a fight with is black canary. You just can't be happy. There's a good actress in it. And she's fucking dyeing her hair blonde. So like, just, just who gives a shit? Like some of the complaints from people I know from conversation, and this is not necessarily on our group because we have a lot of like level-headed people. We can talk about shit like this as adults and no one acts like a fucking, like a goddamn troll most of the time. Maybe sometimes I do. I don't know. But <laughs> I just don't understand. I just don't understand just having to be so bent out of shape about something like this. But on the flip side, what I will say is, a couple fucking groups on Facebook of dickhead fucking Christians that would actually make a Facebook group towards being against this and making a petition. That's a small, teeny, microscopic amount of the population does not count for fucking all white people. All those ignorant idiots that make up a small amount definitely don't cater towards everyone. This is a scary thing, I think, with social media, Chris, a bit. Is that the fact is, if you go outside your parameters, if you go on Twitter and see outside, what, like uh, people that you don't fucking know in the boondocks, what they have to say, or if you go in here, not everyone's on fucking Twitter, and believe it or not, not everyone's on fucking Facebook. And if they are, they might not be part of these fucking idiots out there. So I hate to say this, but I don't want to fucking be a, associated with type of ignorance shit. And I, I've seen from female friends, and you know, I don't not then not African American. None of them actually. Now I think about it, are, and I get they're trying to do good about it. And I think that one of them is a mutual friend that me and you are friends with, Chris. They were just like, you know, what's wrong with what's wrong with this being? Why is it such an issue, guys? Blah 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 blah. And someone brought this up on one of their posts. It was like, I, I I've not seen anyone complaining on this on my main thread. Have you really seen this? Well, no, but. You know, I'm seeing it over here. That's the thing. It's like, don't let fucking ignorant ass fucking people try to represent a whole group of people. That's that's literally grouping in, you know, uh, together everyone as one uh, as as the same fucking style of people. So when it does come to that, you know, and I'm I'm not even talking on behalf of being Caucasian. I don't want to be fucking grouped in with that type of shit. And I hate that when it's like a small amount or there's like criticism, it gets blown up. And you start seeing shit like that. And I, 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 my buddy Ted, he's he he likes to fucking make jokes and shit like that. And it was actually kind of funny stuff where he's like, "You white people are scared of this? Well, fucking wait until they remake these movies." And it's got like fucking Beyonce and Jay Z making out on the <laughs> Titanic and and stuff like that. And like all the fucking princesses, all of them, which beautiful pictures, all of them African American, which doesn't make much sense since some of them are Native American and. And you know, uh, and uh, Persian and, and and whatnot. But either way, I do always hate that type of concept where it's like everyone's being so fucking horrible. And it's like, well, no, not everyone. There's a small group of idiots. Don't let them represent everyone. You know, don't don't group them in with everyone. Does that make sense, Chris? Or am I being a little bit yeah no, too much? No, I mean, 
it's, it's this is the reason I stay out of comment threads ninety percent of the time because it, it's a lot of a lot of that shit. A lot of people like far extreme on one side, and uh, then a lot of people just arguing with them and calling them idiots. So I, for the most part, I just stay clear of the comment section. I think you you made some great points there. Um, I mean, the the big thing is just it it's it's a it's just a fucking movie, man. <laughs> like this isn't going to change your entire world. You know? like, it's not something worth petitioning over or generalizing a bunch of fucking people that have nothing to do with it or even give a shit about it. Ugh. On either side. Yeah, I mean it's it's I don't know. The the thing that I saw, the biggest the biggest thing I saw out of all of this was the original Ariel came out, the girl who did the voice, and kind of defended the casting, which I thought was kind of cool. But outside of that, I haven't paid too much attention to this, and, and not a lot of it's been showed up on my thread. But, you know, that it's also because it's a Little Mermaid movie, so it's not really aimed to 30-year-old men, you know? Like, that's not really nope. what they're going for. <laughs> And uh, if if you are one of those people that are you know fuck over twenty five, and have much of a reason uh, to petition over this, stop listening to my program because I don't want fucking morons listening. Um, but yeah, it just sucks when shit like this happens. Um, like I said, my I, I think I don't know this girl at all. Uh, so I hope Hallie Bailey does good, and I hope that she dyes her hair red. I think that would be very nice if she kind of still inherits that quality of the character. That's something that would I, – I don't give a fuck. I really don't, and I, I, I hate how petty people are nowadays and how we let stupid things like this that's much smaller than it fucking is blow up to something where we're talking about it at this level. So to all of my African-American friends – you know, fuck all that stupid ignorance. Fuck all that bullshit. And I apologize. It sucks that I have to, but for some dumb Christian group or whoever online to be this much of a fucking just just childish, ridiculous, ignorant, whatever word you want to put towards it. But at the same time, realize there's a lot of fucking people out there that don't feel that way. And, um, you know, we'll have to see what the fucking movie's like. I mean, that, that's really what it comes down to. I wish that they got Rosie O'Donnell to play Ursula. But shit happens, man. Instead, they're getting Melissa McCarthy. So we'll have to just do what we have to do. Um, that was a terrible joke to fucking end this whole entire conversation on. So I'm just going <laughs> to... I will say uh, one, thing, one thing that I saw is uh, people thinking that it was Halle Berry. <laughs> yeah, and she like let everyone know, I'm not playing the fucking Little Mermaid <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny yeah. because she's like 50, so if they did cast her as the Little Mermaid, it would be fucking kind of a strange choice. Uh, so that was oh, the first initial thing that I saw was was yeah, was her her being like I'm not I'm not in the Little Mermaid. Everyone calm down. Which I thought was pretty funny. Right. Everyone needs to chill the fuck out. I'm not in the goddamn Little Mermaid. Yeah, man. Um, but whatever. I mean, we can try. The only way that we can try to stop ignorance is just by trying to get rid of it, whether it be ignoring it or putting all those idiots on a fucking island by themselves. But that's going to take a while to be able to get all of them grouped up. So I don't know. That might look some. That might look bad if we were to do that too. So I don't know. 
Anyways, let's move on to Stranger Things, because uh, two of the big things that happened this weekend, one of them was Stranger Things dropped. Like I said, I don't have a life, so the fourth, I didn't have any plans, so I watched it all fucking day. And then Spider-Man. So we'll go over Spider-Man. I'm going to go over Spider-Man with um, John Kalina, who will be calling in. But uh, for right now, me and Chris can kind of go into this wonderful Stranger Things season. Uh, First, before we get into anything, Chris, what did you think about this season? And compare it to the first and second of, like, level of uh, enjoyment. Well, the first is probably going to be my favorite out of the three seasons in general, just because it was so fresh and felt so different. Um, I really enjoyed this season a lot. I thought it was better. To me, it was better, more fun. Um, getting to see the characters grow and in, in their different relationships kind of sparking off each other. Um, getting to see emo will basically. <laughs> There's a lot of fun shit. Um, I like the mall. I like the introduction of the Starcourt Mall. Shout out to uh, Gwinnett, Gwinnett Place Mall here, right down the street. Um, for my, for me, anyways. Uh, so fucking. It was, it was a really fun scene, and and I love like, I, I'm, this is something that endears to me, I guess, massively is is the callbacks. Like, uh, I think specifically one of the ones we taught or I taught to you about uh, after watching some of Stranger Things uh, was the specifically just the pull scene, but the roles reversed, where it's uh, it's the, you know the male character coming out to the song. <laughs> And just basically just doing the fast times and risk my high gimmick, which made me laugh really hard. And just some of the stuff like the uh, – they show how smooth he is in comparison to the one of the other male lead, lead characters. There's just great stuff in the show. It's it's very well done, well written, and uh, hopefully Netflix doesn't fucking uh, stop throwing money at it and kibosh it like they've done so many of their series that I enjoy. That's the only actual worry, um, if anything. Oh, don't say that, man. That would be a really scary thing. Um, yeah, man. I really enjoyed the season. I would say for me, it goes season one is my number one, this, and then season two. I like this a little bit more than season two. I thought the special effects – season one, it was kind of cool because it went with it. Like, they didn't have to high of a budget, but it was still, like, supposed to be 80. So the look of it, of the, the Demi Gorgon or whatever the fuck it's called – he still looked pretty damn cool. Second one, when they started doing like multiple in that hospital scene, they definitely have more of a budget. You can tell how big their budget has built. But, dude, the Duffer Brothers, man, I can't wait to see whatever they make after this. And it looks like they said four or five seasons is what they like to do. I'm down. You know, beforehand, I remember all of us, or a large group of people, I shouldn't generalize, Chris, uh, a lot of us were saying that you know, um, I'm trying to think of uh, basically the first season, that should be it. It should be a standalone movie, and that should be it. I don't really want to see past another season. And then they made a second one. It was like, okay, they can do this. And the third one, to me at least, proved that they they definitely can do like – if as long as they do like four or five seasons, then they'll be fine. I don't think they'll destroy anything. What do you think about that? I, I kind of, you know, I would love to see t- t- two or three more seasons. I want to see the characters flesh out even more and, and even see them grow up. You know, like it, I feel like that we've uh, watched these kids now uh, five years since the first season dropped, four years since the first season dropped. So we're getting to see these kids grow up and become adults in a way. And in and itself, it's kind of cool. But I, there's nothing that would make me not want two or three more seasons of this so far. Like, I've, I've enjoyed all of the seasons. I mean, uh, some more than others, but 
it's been a really entertaining show, and they don't do the thing that drives me absolutely crazy, like uh, similar to the Walking well with like Walking Dead, for instance, where it's like, okay, well now we're just gonna have a bunch of setup episodes. It's it seems like there's always something interesting going on in every episode. There's not anything that makes me want to just like tune out um, when I'm watching it. There's small things that I pick up on. I think that's one thing really well on this show is uh, the small nostalgic things, uh, just harking back from movies that you can tell that these directors really love and uh, the writers getting stuff in that's you know probably close to home to them. Um, I think probably five or six seasons is the perfect amount to wrap this story up, honestly. So I, I tend to agree with you there on that. Yeah, um, and just full disclosure, guys, we're probably going to go into spoilers. We're definitely going to go into spoilers. In Spider-Man, we're definitely going to go into spoilers. So if you don't, if you haven't listened to it, or if you haven't seen the movie or watched the show, stop, pause, come back, and then you can kind of you know find out more of me and uh, me and Chris's uh, opinions on it. Um, one of the, uh, the 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 things that they kind of critiqued. Um, and I don't agree with this at all, was that there was almost too much nostalgia, Chris, within this. There was a lot of scenes, whether it be like an old 80s horror movie, all the way to Jurassic Park, uh, certain things, like you said, Fast Mountain, Ridgemont High. They had certain scenes from movies, and it was very apparent that they were, they were kind of not, not, not uh, parodying it, but like you know, putting it a tribute, if you will. Do you think that they kind of did a little bit too much nostalgia in this, and do they have enough to be able to pump out a couple more seasons as far as it being an '80s show? Well, I mean, it doesn't. I mean, does it necessarily have to stay in the '80s? So have they ever given us like a full "This is what year this is"? I mean, I know it started in '85, so like you're, now you're getting on up almost into the '90s, right? I would think. Um, I would suppose, yes. So I mean, there's t- I mean, there's just so much good nostalgic crap like that you could do from the '80s. Like I don't think they've done anything from like Die Hard or Terminator 2 yet, or you know, which Terminator 2 is technically '90s. But you get what I'm saying. There's tons of those like callbacks that you could do, and and I don't think that they overdo it. That's the thing I like like about the show. A lot of it's subtle. Um, Subtle things. I mean, there's obviously the big ones, like the Fast Times at Ridgemont High thing was very, very obvious. Uh, even the Ahoy Sailors harkens back to a uh, another character from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So there's, you know, there's things that I loved about it. But if you think about, you know, introducing that mall, there's going to be a lot of drawn conclusions to Fast Times at Ridgemont High because mall. a lot of the, the yeah, a, a lot of the movie, uh, a lot of Fast Times at Ridgemont High takes place around the school in that, you know. That mall. So those, to me, that made sense with the way that they brought those those round. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And right now, this is John Lipton with Inside the Actors Studio, featuring our guest John Kalina from the Kalina Brothers and also the Nerd Bros Geek Show. Hello, John. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> just just uh just selling houses and stuff, man, and mumbling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you hear me all right? I'm using my Bluetooth because I'm cool like that. <laughs> uh yeah, we can if if you're gonna talk like that I can just mute you. But um yeah, you sound great. <laughs> cool, great, great. Well uh yeah. 
So I just sat down doing a little bit more work, but it's, you know, I can still talk and, and uh, shoot shit. Oh, yeah, we're allowed to cuss on this. Sweet. Well, yeah, we're allowed to cuss. <laughs> you, you, can say what, you can say most things. Yeah, definitely. Um, what was I going to say? The same question I just asked Chris. We're talk, we just started talking about Stranger Things. Uh, I already disclosed that we're doing spoilers, so you can say whatever the hell you want with it. But did you think they that they harpen too much? <laughs> Do you think that they harpen too much on 80s nostalgia for the season? Because I heard that's a criticism. I don't think they did. Chris doesn't. But what, how do you feel about it? Um, I mean, like people are saying they did that more in this season than the past seasons. Yeah, especially like tribute clips, if you will, like doing stuff in certain movies. There's a lot uh, more. So I, I don't know. To me, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't say if it's too much in this show, but I am getting kind of sick of it in general. Because ever since Guardians of the Galaxy, everything has to be 80s. And it's just like, I, I don't know. I'm kind of getting sick of that trend. But to me, Stranger Things is the exception because that, I mean, they do the best with it. And I didn't think it was too much at all. I got you. So um, just general thoughts about the season so far. Where do you rank it amongst the three seasons? Uh, third. Um, in my opinion, the second season was the best. Uh, this one was kind of hashed out the same type of, like, subplots and same type of scenes and Eleven getting all, you know, teenage angstiness. Like, we already dealt with that, and I, I was kind of, hoping for a very different direction in this one. But to me, it felt very similar. Um, they went more, to me, like cheesy, almost a lot of times like a thrasher or a slasher movie type feel, um, which is cool because they always do a different type of horror feel, I feel like. But it, uh, I don't know, it was kind of redundant to me. It was kind of boring after a while. And the end didn't, didn't really leave me like, okay, it was like 11 lost their power. Like, okay. You know, I don't know. It was all right. But I'm definitely excited for the next season. I hope they wrap it up soon, though, because you don't want to kill it like most shows on TV do by making it go on forever. Yeah, that that's definitely true. Um, I guess, yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about the ending. You know, jumping into the future, Winona Ryder, she's moving away. She's bringing Will... Uh, not not Will, her her two sons basically in eleven with her, and where the fuck are they going? Um, <laughs> I I didn't really understand why. Uh, what's his name? Is it, is it Jonathan? I don't understand why he left. Isn't he old enough to get his own place with like you know <laughs> yeah. uh, his girlfriend and fucking just that get was a place? Honestly, dude. Not only that, I mean I don't know what how much you would be able to do about it, but. If your girlfriend's getting fucking just handled like that right in front of you at your work office, I think I'd be more of a fucking dick. I kind of thought he was a pussy the whole entire thing, but... Well, Jonathan is think... kind of a pussy, you know? Last season, he was kind of a badass, though. He kind of got that edge towards the end of it, and he kind of lost it this season, to me, at least. That's true. Do you guys think that, do you guys think that Jim Hopper's dead? Chris, do you think that uh, David Harbour is gone, or maybe that American they were talking about in the prison in the last scene was who they were referring to? I think it. I think that is what they were going for. Is that he is Hopper? Um, and that that's my guess. I, I I'm assuming that that's that's going to be 
the road that they're heading down. I just can't see them lighting him off uh, the show. Could be completely wrong because we don't know like what. I haven't heard anything about like the contracts of the show or anything like that. But I, I would say there's a good chance that he is the American. The American. I'm afraid Definitely. of the Americans. Um, Definitely, dude. He's not dead. Yeah, I can't see him oh. being dead either. Do you think is is Winona Ryder and David Harbour ever gonna bang or at least kiss? Ever? Anyone want to give me that? I, I think I think John. that'll be in the last season. You know, it'll be like the final payoff. Final yeah, payoff, it seems like sex. Yeah, I felt, like, felt like, like Peggy that, Carter though. and Captain America. <laughs> I kind of felt like that's where they're going as well as they're going to, they're dragging that out, that relationship out as much as I thought it was going to happen this season with the way they built it up mm-hmm. and asking for parenting advice and shit. So yeah. when the payoff finally happens, it'll be great. But th- that, I mean, like from early parts of the season, like him asking for parenting advice and writing a fucking cue card was, uh, was pretty great. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I like this season say, still, John? but I will say – I forgot to say one thing that it's um to me it had a little too much humor. It was going for I feel like they went a really like Marvel route in this season where it just kind of was same. nonstop humor and it was kind of silly humor a lot of times. All right, I have to say this: the most cringeworthy thing, and maybe you guys liked it for some fucking reason, when we finally get to meet um, Dustin's girlfriend over the transmitter and they sing the never-ending story. I used to love. Oh my song. god. I, I don't ever want – that was so cringeworthy, and I love the whole fucking series, but that was probably the worst part of the film, and I wanted to punch myself in the face repeatedly. Chris, can you listen to Never Ending Story anymore? <laughs> uh, I actually <laughs> thought it was – I thought it was a pretty funny yeah. payoff that she you actually listen existed. listen to it all the time, right, Chris? Yeah, I sit around <laughs> – uh, that and the greatest adventure from the Hobbit animated film. That's that's fucking one and two on my playlist. <laughs> God, man, you need to get, like listen to more music out there. There's stuff that you can listen to. <laughs> uh, Dude, so who was y'all's favorite character in that season? Like, if you were to name one uh, character, his favorite. Jim Hopper. I gotta say, man, it's either him or Steve. Like, I love Steve. Steve. His his relationship with Dustin is fucking hilarious. That scene that they yep. have is a gif where they're pretending to do the lightsabers and then he like kills them and he pretends his intestines fall out. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking yeah. about. If you don't, then you're probably going to be fucking crazy. But uh, <laughs> I love that shit. Is there anything better than Dustin and Steve, uh, John? I, I, you know, I don't think so. I don't think so, Dan. It's just so fun. I could watch them for hours. I'm trying to think of like anything like in particular favorite scenes. We're allowed to go spoiler heavy. We kind of already talked about the ending, but Chris, anything in particular that you want to talk about with this from the episodes? I guess we probably should have had all the episodes listed, but I didn't do any of that shit. So. I thought about doing yeah. that. But... My my uh my favorite characters are still Steve and, and Dustin. They're they're fucking great together. Um, I really did like Robin, uh, the Ahoy coworker. I think that's uh my yeah. hawk. It's Ethan Hawke and Uma, Uma Thurman's daughter. I thought she was really great oh, in the show as far as a new new character goes. Yeah, <laughs> um, there was a lot. Of, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that stood out to me. Most of the stuff was like the the Fast time, Times at Ridgemont High gimmick. The uh, like you said, the lightsaber uh, battle with the intestines falling out. Gift that's pretty great. Um, I I liked the uh, they they got the little kid to. <laughs> 
sneak uh, sneak around the top of the mall. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and obviously, that my favorite scene is probably the parenting advice with with Hopper was fucking hilarious. <laughs> Especially yeah, the dude, he what, tried. Act, what actually ended up happening. <laughs> he really tried, man. And 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 and. and... <laughs> Fuck Will for thinking that he could just do that, of like, you know, just call his ass out. That is technically the dad of the girl you're dating. You deserve to get a fucking ride Dude, home yep. like that for being that much of a fucking a smartass. Like, dude, holy Will, shit. Scared of life. No, Mike, Mike. Mike is a That's little right, bitch, Mike. dude. <laughs> like, dude, yeah. in, in interviews with them, I think that actor is, like, probably my favorite of those kids' actors. Because he just seems the most real, but his character, I I hate. It's I just hate watching dude. him. Yeah, him on like, it, same thing, man. Uh, him on it, he's the same type of character. He's like a little shit. He just even kind of like dials it up more than that. That's um, but yeah, uh, another scene, man. There was nothing uh, else that stuck name? out because I I love everything about it. You know, it's always really cool to see what they put in it, but. I don't know. Eleven kicked ass a couple times, but I'm I'm just ready to see her become the true badass that she needs to become. You know, I can see this teenage was gonna, was gonna outdo her. Honestly, I thought that he was gonna start getting powerful in this because it was a, affecting him more so than her. Uh, he's just kind like of, the scout. He's just yeah. He's just the guy that's like, hey, I'm the beacon. I just kind of do this coming. thing. Yeah, but Billy, man, trying to go after uh, fucking uh, what's it called? Mom, Mike's mom. Uh, you know, yeah, trying to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Well, here I did he not comes. Know that, that was when when we first wa- started watching it. None of us, me, Jeannie, and Connor, had no idea that that was his mom. We we're like, what? Yep, I forgot. Yeah, they they set it up last season. Well, I didn't even realize until I, that that guy. Uh, I think it's Zachary Montgomery. He played the Red Ranger in the uh, Power Rangers reboot. He played a completely yeah. different character, like totally super different. clean. Like, but loved him as this character. Oh, did you guys hear about this bullshit that they're fucking getting on the Netflix because uh, what you call David Harbor and uh, Zachary Montgomery, their characters smoke cigarettes too much. It's fucking eighty film. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I don't. That's not something what? I even noticed. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, give a shit about that. Actually, I'm not gonna lie. I did have a cigarette after that. <laughs> I don't well, I guess it works on anymore. you, John. Uh, except for you already smokes, you know, once in a while. Anyways, it'd be worse that, or so. Yeah. But I was it, like, didn't, mm, it, didn't, it didn't get you to start smoking cigarettes. <laughs> no, I haven't yeah, smoked seriously. since that night. I just thought that was so stupid. What? I mean, that's like, like if they hate that, they should never watch Californication then, because like fucking David Cumbie. Or, or um, Mad Men. <laughs> Surprised Mad Men didn't get attacked. <laughs> Fuck. Shit, yeah, Mad Men. Any last things I'm trying to think about this? Uh, yeah, I, I just love that they're able to make multiple storylines with people separate, even going after completely different plots, and then they somehow get them all together by the end of it. I think that's what Stranger Things does best than yep. any other show. Would you guys both agree with me, Chris? Uh, 
Yeah, I think that they do a good job of, of redirecting their seasons and giving you a different feel for sure for each one, but it still has the, the things that you love about the kids and and the atmosphere, the 80s, the 80s nostalgia stuff is still there, but the actual story that they're telling varies season to season, and hopefully they can keep it up with, with a fourth season coming out. I think that's, you know, that's... It, it's hard enough to do three times. We'll see if they can do it a fourth. You know, that's that's the big thing. Those damn Russians, John. What do you think about the Russians? Were you scared of them? Dude, the Ruskies, man. They're bringing back the Russian scare. And I mean, I'm not. I, I mean, I always love that shit. The stories that are around that. But it's like going to start feeding into like what the '50s started doing with the Ruskies, and then the '60s, and then '70s, and the Ruskies are just in everyone's mind, like, evil. So I think it's it's, it's cool. It's, it's funny. But it's, like, very 80s for sure. Well, you know, if they get too out of line, they can just get Rocky, and he'll come and end the Cold War like he did in Rocky Four. I mean... That's true. Um, That's all they need to defeat the Demogorgon. <laughs> just <laughs> Rocky. Fucking Rocky, And the dude. evil Russians. Oh, fucking <laughs> it. But... Yeah. So, so Rocky season. is going to be boxing a, a Demogorgon. Is that confirmed? <laughs> yes, I think that's confirmed. Uh, <laughs> season four. You know, it's from the upside down or whatnot. Like every time um, I think of Sylvester Stallone, all I can think of is the fucking the end scene of Rambo, where he's talking about his friend Johnny getting his leg blown off. It's like you can't understand a single fucking word he says. I love it when he gets dude, I and starts like crying, court, sort of like that style. <laughs> like what are you saying? God, and I, I love, love all Sly. of those movies, and I love Sly too. But man, the end of Rambo, <laughs> first Rambo, you can't understand anything he's saying in that dude, monologue. Chris, I, I forgot what movie it was, but it was like the first movie that that Sylvester Stallone and Arnold did together. It was like Escape Plan or whatever the fuck they were in a prison together, and, I, and everyone's like, "Isn't this awesome?" And I'm like. No, the dialogue's probably going to be terrible. Like, could you imagine, like, <laughs> like, all over? Like, I think I would get over that. I, actually, the movie was pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, before we move on, I just also want to say, like I said many times before, I know the Duffer Brothers, they don't have that much besides Stranger Things, but I'm looking forward to whatever they make in the future. And uh, I, I know that they're big fans of X-Men. I would love to see them do some type of transitioning work for uh, the X-Men within the MCU. I'm pretty sure I brought it up to both of you guys. But I think that they just have a good fit to not do it the Fox way and more go by the actual like Chris Claremont comics from the 80s and kind oh, of bring it to life. They do a great job of that. I think, I oh, think they I, should do a... raise a concern? <laughs> yeah. So this is just my prediction. With all the Back to the Future stuff from Avengers and now in uh, Stranger Things, Back to the Future references, like, I'm just going to put it out there. I bet they're trying to remake that shit soon because that's what they did with Mary Poppins. They, You know, I mean, come on, Princess Leia floated like Mary Poppins and then Yondu talked about Mary Poppins and then they made a remake of Mary Poppins. So I bet that's what they're going to try to do next, which would be bullshit. But that's it. Oh, God. What if Tom Holland's playing uh, fucking Michael J. Fox's okay. son? Okay. That'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> then you're okay <laughs> with it. 
if, if, it's, it. if it's like a ninety-year-old Christopher Lloyd uh, and and Duffer Brothers are writing, producing, and they get Zemeckis to come yes. back and direct, and Michael J. Fox's yes. son is Tom Holland. You're okay with all that for a fourth? Dude, film. I think that sounds fucking phenomenal. I'm telling you, man, Tom Holland. If you listen to him in Spider-Man, like he sounds like fucking He's Michael, Michael J. Fox. Fox. Yep. <laughs> Chris, is that I like holy it. to you, or, or or would you be down for for something like that? I mean, I yeah, I would be down for it for sure, especially when you when you when you pitch it like that to me, and not just like, <laughs> hey, we're gonna do a Back to the Future movie. <laughs> hey, Michael Bay's doing Back to the Future remake. Sorry, Megan Fox. <laughs> 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 no, no, that's it's all, not it's it. all in the sales pitch, man. It's all in the sales pitch. How about a uh, how yeah. about uh, as a follow up to Stranger Things, they just do uh Stephen uh Stephen Dustin start their own private investigation firm and we kind of get like a, a buddy comedy detective show. Ooh, that'd be dude, good. I'm so down for that. Like that spin off. Dude, I Dude, I'm down for that. Fuck you. Yeah. Just detective <laughs> so service. Good, <laughs> All right, so that was probably that was probably the worst um, review, uh, or at least the most undetailed version of a review for Stranger Things <laughs> that uh, you could probably listen to. But still, it was fun. Uh, you probably enjoyed it. If you didn't, just stop fucking listening. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but yeah, uh, now I think we're gonna move on. Chris, I'll give you the option since you haven't seen the movie. Well, actually, we we can talk about the Black Keys and Raconteurs album if you want to still stick around. But we're going to be going over Spider-Man soon. Those are the last two subjects, basically. So I haven't listened what to the want? Black Keys album, um, the Wrecking Tears album I listened to. But I'll do this. I will drop out and let you guys talk about Spider-Man because I'm going to try to avoid these spoilers <laughs> before I uh, – because I haven't seen it yet. So um, adios, and I'll talk to you guys later. Very, very understandable, and thanks for coming on, man. And like I said, guys, listen, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. EST, Wrestling Geeks Alliance. If you're into pro wrestling, that's what me and Chris go over every Wednesday. So uh, thank you, Chris. I will uh, talk to you later, sir, probably right after the fucking show. And um, John and me are going to break down Spider-Man Far From Home. Like I said, heavy, heavy fucking spoilers. So just keep that in mind. Don't, don't bitch. Heavy. Very heavy. Like, she's so bad and bad I kind of want to talk to you about that still. We, we, were, we were going over the shortlist for uh, actors to play Elvis, and we were talking yeah. about uh, mu- musical biopics that you'd like to see that haven't gotten made since now they're kind of popular. Uh, musical did you, did you have biopics. Any interest? Well, music-based biopics, not musical. Like what you mean by oh okay okay because I like was about to say because that new Elton John movie I heard was a musical. Yeah, it actually is a musical. Um, I don't know if I necessarily need a musical, but I was saying like we haven't gotten the Beatles, we haven't gotten the Stones, we haven't gotten the Who, we haven't gotten Zeppelin, we haven't gotten Floyd. I'd love to see a Stevie Wonder one. Is there anything that tickles your fancy that you'd like to see as far as a favorite rock band get a, a biopic, if you will? I I would like to see a Led Zeppelin one. Um, I don't think it'll ever happen because Led Zeppelin's so sacred, and they like. I mean, I think they do the perfect amount of marketing of their personal lives, um, in my opinion, because you know they have. There's a couple different 
um, biographies, but I, I don't know if a movie will ever happen, but I would like to see one. I'd definitely watch it. Um, other than that, n- no, not really. I don't know. I, to me, musicians, I enjoy musicians more not knowing, like not seeing that shit up close. You know, like the Doors movie didn't make me like Jim Morrison. It didn't make me like the Doors anymore, you know? Like, it kind of did the opposite. And I feel like that's what most music biopics do. You're like, damn, this guy was a drug addict, an asshole. Like, he doesn't really deserve yep. any of what he has. So, to me, no. But that's my opinion. I can see what you're saying. I, I, yeah, the Zeppelin thing, I, I think the person that would have a problem with it is Jimmy. Uh, I, don't, I don't see him like, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm not fucking to let you make a gold jam movie about my life and dating 17-year-olds. Sorry. Well, so like, I don't... well, it might ruin his their reputation. You know, like I said, like I, I never feel good about the musician after I leave a biopic. Uh, John, like that. They, have, like a... they have they have, fucking urban legend stories of them shoving a, a, a I know. fish up a I know, like, vagina. Right. Like that, they would have to put that in the movie, and that'd be fucked up. <laughs> so, yeah, God, a lot of stuff. It just doesn't, um, it doesn't age well. Uh, the stories that you hear that these guys do uh, back in the day. Uh, yeah, God, dude. Still, like it's not, not meant that, to be known. Also, what what actor can you get to play Paul McCartney? What actor can you get to play Jimmy Page? You have to fucking find someone that can really. You know, and not only that, do you want them to be able to sing and play their instruments? So we're gonna have to do that whole entire thing. But I just right, like if I they love, don't, then it'll be some. Sorry. I I love that we we have the 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 you know we've had Beach Boy ones, we've had uh, lots of different ones, Queen stuff like that. But it's gonna be interesting to see if 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 like a Beatles one ever gets made, and not like like yesterday's a cool concept, but like not like. No one's ever heard Beatles songs, but I know it, so I'm going to show everyone it. And it's kind of a musical, or across the universe where it was literally a musical. Like I want, I want to see Paul and John both drug the fuck out off of heroin and cocaine, yelling at each other while they're making the White Album, and Ringo's like just just wanting to quit, and then he inevitably does quit. I want that like in Dude, front of me. I want fucking hey, just crazy. I got a solution for you. I got What's a solution. That? Go watch. Go watch uh, Walk Hard with Dewey Cox. That's a good. <laughs> hey, I think that we're, I think there's problems in the Beatles. Luckily, <laughs> <laughs> we even let you play the fucking drums. Uh, God damn it! All right, well, um, since we're on the we're on the, the the talk of music, let's talk about these uh these two albums. They're both uh artists that we we both appreciate fairly uh fairly well, John. Between uh, the new Black Keys album. And the new Rack and Tours album. Um, just pick which one that you want to talk about first and start breaking it down. Um, so, Rack and Tours, uh, as you know, Dane, not the audience probably of millions of people listening. Um, you know, we both have tickets to the concert. Uh, Rack and Tours are coming Thank back to much. Atlanta soon. Yeah, and uh, we got albums with the ticket. So I've listened to it a couple times. It's uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's because I don't listen as avidly to music as I used to, um, but yeah. it wasn't impressive to me. I went through it a couple times, tried to like force myself to be like, oh, this is a badass album, but 
there was maybe one song that really that I really liked, and the others I'm just like I don't I don't know, dude. It's too Jack Whitey. Like I like the Ragged Tours because Benson wrote I feel like most of the al- uh, the songs on the second album, which is my favorite album. Um, and this one felt more Jack White, which like we already have Jack White albums, you know. So I'm not a huge fan of it, unfortunately. I very much agree with you. I don't think they'll put out a better album than Counselors of the Lonely. And it's been over 10 years from them making music, and it seemed like they just made a similar album, like not a mock-up, but a very similar album to Counselors of the Lonely and just, you know, put more vocal uh, projections on on Jack throughout the whole thing. Um, Yeah. I thought Bored and Raised, uh, the first uh, the first two songs were really good off it, and I really like Sunday Driver. There was one song in particular, though. Uh, it sounded so much like his slow song off that last album, the, the one that's like, yes. You Don't Understand Me. Yep. They had another one that was almost the exact same fucking song, but it was just a little bit tweaked differently, and I was like, well, that's kind of just unoriginal. Like, it just sounded... Cool. Like they were tributing the last album. Does that make sense? Yeah, dude, I know that. And then there's a song that, and we really should have the song names brought up, uh, but there's another song that sounds just like fucking Simple Man, and it pisses me off. Cause I'm like, dude, Jack I White, think I know which one you're talking you're better about. Better than this, man. Like literally the same chords, obviously, but then he even does the lead. It's like. And it's like, dude, that's terrible, man. Why, how? It sounds like y'all just pushed this out because you knew that it would sell because everyone loved the Wrecking Tours. That's what it sounds like to me. Like they didn't put any actual heart into it. Yeah, I would, uh, I would have to agree with you, honestly. Like it's not, it's not a terrible album, but it just, like I said, I, there's certain bands are gonna make one album that's gonna like rain higher than any other one. You know what sucks though is. So we go to see them live. They're going to play mostly this album, which is fine, and I'll probably know a good amount of the tracks. But the last time I went and saw them, I didn't know the second album, and I wasn't as in love with it. Uh. Afterwards is when I really got into it, so I didn't know the songs then. They're probably not going to be play that many of them this time, which is very, you know. They'll play some of them. But, yeah, that's tough. Because that's all I want to see. Is that second album, dude, and then a couple off the first. But this, I mean, maybe we can get more into it, you know, as you listen to the music over and over, obviously, it gets a little better. But I just, I don't know. It was pretty disappointing. Um, so on the flip side of that, I mean, the Black Keys album, it's funny because it came out like the same week. And I've listened to that, and that album kind of blew me away a little bit. Like, I don't, it's not the best thing I've ever heard, obviously, I've I like other albums better, but for the most recent music in the past like five years, it's one of my favorite albums that I've heard because to me, the Black Keys went back to their root, but almost yep. went oldies too. They they have like an oldies feel to this new album be, with their original blues rock. I think that, all right, because these bands get compared, they're always going to be compared, uh, you know, or at least Jack White and his endeavors in music compared to the Black Keys with Dan and uh, Patrick. Yep. But 
I think that my biggest criticism for both of them is that Jack, he can sing pretty, but he's got a really hard time, even in the, 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 the more uh, prettier, slower songs, like not coming off still uh, aggressive with his voice. And I think that's one thing that I've noticed, even at the ones I mm. do like, like that one I was originally talking about. The Black Keys, yeah. and this is very noted, I like this album a lot. And I love that there was more distortion, but I don't feel like Dan ever, like Dan's always still, like it can be aggressive, but Dan's still chill throughout the whole thing. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but still, like, the breath about the Shine a Little Light, though, was a fucking awesome song, hard-hitting, like, and I was like, I was very, very taken back. It was, I think it's their best album since Brothers, I'll say that. It's really funny that you said that, because that's exactly how I felt listening to it it was like I remember that song coming on it was the first song it was on my way down to Florida with Gene and Connor and you know they wanted to listen to some you know they always want to listen to like country or pop or whatever Lame. but I decided to listen to Black Keys album and that song the first one hit and it was like the hardest riff that I've heard the Black Keys in any other songs, you know? Because that song's freaking cool. That riff is awesome, but then his voice is a little too soft for the chorus. Like, the chorus didn't make sense to me. It sucked. It was such a badass riff, but it was kind of killed by Dan's voice, in my opinion. I think, uh, what, what is it, Lonely Boy? I think it kind of has that problem, though, because that song always kind of had that punch, that, and then they kind of, you know, like just kind of yeah. chill it out. Like you guys think about doing that, and it's it's still really, really good. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely prefer this album to the Tours. But, hey, I think the biggest thing, though, John, that we can say is Dan Arbuck and Patrick and then also Jack, they're, they're still creating music, you know? They haven't said fuck it yeah. yet. Which is incredible. And I love how, I mean, I don't know if you listened to um, Blue or whatever it's called, the last album by Black Keys. Yep. But it was so boring, in my opinion. It was like trance rock, kind of. I feel like I they, they did got... that for the modern. Uh, yeah, man, that, that you're you're very right. Like the Animal Collective or something like that, like more trance Yeah. Yeah. I can agree with so that. So I'm glad to hear this. I mean, this this is probably the best album I've heard, seriously, in years, because every song is pretty, like, I don't know. It's, it's got a lot of kick and rhythm, um, and it's just, it's like their old stuff. It's like Brothers, like you said. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, man. It doesn't happen often where I'm really intrigued by a rock album. Uh, between Greta Von Fleet and the Royal Bloods, that's pretty much it in the last like fucking ten years. <laughs> yeah, been that cool with I guess. I mean, I like the Unorthodox Jukebox from Bruno Mars, but he's a pop artist, so he's not really a rock artist. But that's still one more artist in like maybe five to ten total that I've liked in the last ten years, realistically. Yeah, man. But, I mean, even Bruno Mars and JT, two pop artists that I love. They haven't released anything in a while either. I feel like that was good. JT's last album. No, they're making they're making fast too food, weird. man. That's all they're doing. They're they're yeah, literally just making fast it. food for fucking shit. 
what are you going to do? Oh, you know what we can do? We can talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, I had no idea you were going to talk about Spider-Man. Yeah, so the Spider-Man, pretty damn good movie, man. I would say that my top five, my my top five now go Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is number one. Number two is Spider-Man, God, it's got to be two, man. Two. I don't know. I haven't seen it in so long, though. I don't know if it even holds up. Uh, but I'll put it as Oh, uh, yeah. Then this one, uh, uh, Far far From Home, uh, then uh, Homecoming, and then Amazing Spider-Man. That's my top five, and the other ones don't count as movies. So there you go. Um, Ooh, not even the original Toby? Oh, never mind. That would go next, too. I don't know if it beats Amazing Spider-Man. I really loved Amazing Spider-Man when that movie first came out with Andrew Garfield. Second Man, was terrible. I I know you did. It's so difficult for me because I watched it the other day, actually, um, the first one. And it was, I don't know, man. It was kind of hard to watch for me. Um, but the second one, the plot is terrible. Peter but I love the costume. I love the costume in the second one. Best costume by far to me. And... I love Garfield. He was incredible as Spider-Man in the second one. And that, well, that was it. The rest of the movie sucked. But as far as Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man well, 2 you know is what? my favorite. I will give Amazing Spider-Man 2 the relationship between Gwen and Peter and her death. Yep. I think they did a good job with it. Dude, That's about it. That, they, that they, they made Electro. One of the best deaths. Fucking Riddler from from uh from from Batman Forever. It's like yeah, he was the same goddamn is. character. Yep. But that that death was one of the best deaths in superhero history. I feel like it was incredible. Yeah, I, I agree, man. It. it just sucks that it has to be a part of that franchise. Uh, but yeah, yep. we're talking about the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Far From Home. Spoiler heavy. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Give me, give me, give me like an overall um, on what you thought about the movie, and maybe a score. If you gotta do one to five or one to ten, whatever the fuck, where, where does it rank for you? Um, if I do one through five, I would definitely say Spider Verse, and then this movie, well, for sure. And then number three would be like we talked about how movies don't age well, I'd probably say Far From Home. I mean, not, sorry, Homecoming for three. And then I'd probably put Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3. No, I'm sorry, Spider-Man 1. That's another good one, man. It's a classic for sure. It's kind I mean, of like, it's, dude, the Batman, Uncle Ben and Batman, Batman, 19, the first. Batman 1989 is always going to have a special place in my heart. It's it's always going to be in my top five out of Batman films, and I know that movie probably hasn't aged well. I haven't even watched it in forever. Wait, which one? The original? Batman 89, yeah, with uh, Jack Nicholson as yeah. the Joker. Oh, yeah. Oh, I showed it to Connor a couple months or maybe a year ago, and it's it's bad, but it's still so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the second one's even worse. I'm pretty sure Batman kills someone brutally within the first, like, 30 seconds with his car. Uh, we haven't uh, watched that one. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to go to the next one knowing how bad it's going to be. It's probably better uh, just keep God. that in well, your memory bank. 
Well, the second one doesn't have too much bad of a rap, but yeah, if you show them forever, just be like, just have fun with it. You know, it's we there were McDonald toys from it. We liked it because we were stupid and young. You know, yep. that was back when yep. Space Jam was out. For Christ's sakes, um, Space Jam. God damn, we're never gonna get around to actually talking about this movie. Um, all right, well, we'll <laughs> okay, break it down so, like this. Far from home. All right, let me let me let me let me uh, preface it with I've loved sure. Spider Man forever, and Mysterio has always been one of my favorites. Not just Mysterio, but Scarecrow too. Because I mean, Batman and Spider Man villains are always the best. They always have been, and Scarecrow and Mysterio are obviously very similar. They're almost the same. Um, and I remember when they announced Homecoming, I was like, dude, they got to make Mysterio the villain. They've already used everyone else. Like, fuck, fuck Doc Ock, fuck Harry Osborn. Uh, you, you already fucked up the lizard. Um, I mean, you fucked up Venom. Just do Mysterio. And then the Vulture happened, and the Keatons played it, so obviously it was amazing. Um, but... When they announced this movie, it was around the same time they were announcing they were talking about Venom, and Venom wasn't a part of the uh, same universe. So it was like, dude, they can only do Mysterio. And they announced him, and I was like, well, yeah, I got to see it. But I always said after Endgame, I was done with Marvel movies. I didn't care. And the first trailer was not great for Far From Home, um, to be honest. And then they released the trailer where it was all about Tony Stark and showed more about Mysterio, how he's going to be a good guy and all this shit. And so it piqued my interest, and I decided to see it. And I don't know, man. I I know a lot of people were saying that Tony Stark or Samuel L. Jackson or the fact that Feige used a ploy by saying that it was the end of the Infinity Saga – was the reason that everyone went to see it. But for me, it was still the number one reason that I went to see it was Mysterio. Not Jake Gyllenhaal, even though he's cool, but it was just Mysterio to see how they did it. And after seeing it, it blew my fucking mind, dude. It was like exactly what I've always imagined. Yeah, and and I, I had to give it to Jake Gyllenhaal, too, on that, because he took a character that can be pretty fucking lame and made him a pretty awesome... Um, Character and one thing about Mysterio that I think me and you were talking about is that this kind of showed um, the chink in the armor of people that are not that well known with the comics because I think a lot of them expected this multiverse that was projected in the trailer and, mm-hmm. and Mysterio to be a, a good guy, but I knew for a fucking right right at the beginning I'm like yeah he's just ca- causing holographic uh, projections making all those guys yeah. that's um, and they're, they're, we're going to get a reveal scene. And then it happened. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that there's people that are like, <gasps> and I'm like, really? Do you not know Mysterio? And that kind of, uh, how did you like how they handled Mysterio when it came to people not knowing the, the mystery behind it? I'm sure you picked it up very quickly. Um, you know, he wanted Tony's tech handed to him. I will say, though, with Mysterio, uh, the two things that I'm wondering, why he needed the glasses in the first place, if he was already producing the same stuff, he just wanted more, I guess, drones. I mean, I, I didn't really understand that. And also with him, is he really dead? Or was that all a projection that he caused to make Peter Parker and the rest of the world think he's dead? What do you think? Well, I'll say first the death 
we should probably hold off until a little more reveal. Uh, but yeah, he's dead, guys. Gosh. Um, no, but I don't believe he's dead. Anyway, back to your first thing. Yeah, it was weird to me that like they kept talking about how with all these drones he could do so much more. Like he could control, he could destroy a whole city. But in, in the first fight. They, they destroyed, like, a lot of that city. And not only was it just a projection, but that water somehow was, like, literally blowing Peter Parker against a bridge. Like, he already had something, but it doesn't really talk about what. It's like, I, I think he's using drones. Like, so he's not using that many drones? Just, like, one or two? Because it seems he like he's more? using a lot. I yeah, know like, that. Do you don't think anyone? At, 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 I really like the movie, but I'm going to criticize what I what I want you know want to criticize from it. You're telling me that one of the main guys underneath Tony Stark, that was one of his main developmental guys, no one fucking Google like referenced his name to see if he really Couldn't was a superhero. Right. right. You know what I'm saying? Like that seems to me to be. The, and I do you understand also the complaint that kind of revolves around that that the Vulture, uh, Mysterio. It seems like they all have a relationship with Tony Stark, and one of the biggest criticisms, and I, I kind of agree with, is that they're kind of placing Spider-Man of being Iron Man Jr., and I think that he needs to, at least in the next film, really disassociate himself from the Iron Man stuff, let him become himself. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, definitely, 100%. And the main reason that backs that uh, opinion is that he's not Spider-Man without the fucking suit that Tony Stark gave him, which still pisses me off. Like, it's cool that he was building this suit with Happy and stuff, but it's like, dude, you're still not Spider- like, Spider-Man is just a cheesy latex suit with superpowers. And then, later, fine, if you get the Iron Spider suit, you have extra powers. Cool. But you're still, like, not Spider-Man as far as the MCU is concerned, without those suits and shit, you know? So disassociating with Tony Stark definitely would help. I feel like that Tony made the suit to be his training wheels before he actually became a hero and a man, if you will. Uh, And I think this whole entire film is Peter becoming – well, basically less of a yes. pussy. Although I will say that whether or not, and I mean, like I said, spoiler warning, spoiler warning. How many times have the fuck could say that? Whether or not uh, Samuel Jackson was a scrawl or not uh, with Nick Fury, he was kind of a dick and didn't understand that a 16-year-old is not going to realize that, you know, he's got to go out and put his life on the line uh, just because he's a superhero. To me, that's you what know? made it okay at the end with Talos being Nick Fury the whole time. Because the whole time I was like, dude, Nick Fury is really out of character. A, he doesn't know Quentin Beck yep. is bullshitting. B, he's being a dick to Spider-Man, like a kid. So it made it all right. To me, like, scrolls don't know common courtesy for teenagers, I guess. I think Tom Holland has made himself uh, the, the, the best Spider-Man all around. Peter Parker, Spider-Man, I think that he now, especially because of this film, He's shown that I think that he has a very great acting career ahead of him, past Spider-Man films, but yeah. he cemented himself, at least to me, as being the Spider-Man over Toby and over Andrew. Same thing with you? Yeah, I mean, well, he's building, he's growing into Spider-Man. He's not just 
Spider-Man. Look at this guy who's 35 years old. He's in high school. Fuck you guys. He's growing into that character, which is great. Um, I don't know how long it'll last, but no, I mean, it was, it, it was such a good movie because it built on his character even more than Homecoming. Homecoming didn't build on his character much. It just kind of threw all this shit at him. And he was like, oh, man, my girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. But, um, but yeah. I think I, that they you know, did that really well, again, was having that, that teen angst feel to the movie. Not necessarily an 80s thing, but like a, a, a you know, coming-of-age story of him still having that in there mm-hmm. with the kids and the relationship with him and MJ – but still, he's got to balance that, and it really takes you back to the comic books, and I think that's what it's supposed to do of, fuck, I'm a kid. I want to go and try to ask this girl on a date that I like and you know, go try to make third period and not be late for it. But I also have mm-hmm. to go save the world as well like that. Like Ultimate Spider-Man from Brian Michael Bendis was the best example for that writing, I think. Wait, which – oh, yeah. So for me, it's – I think it's perfect too because it is all original Spider-Man shit. Like that, I liked the thirty-year-old Spider-Man growing up, as he already works at Daily Bugle. He's done with college, all that. But this is perfect for the MCU because now that they've learned that superheroes, in order to be interesting, have to have real life um, friendships and relationships uh, that are on at stake by being a superhero, then every superhero is kind of the same. So adding that teenage angst, like, dude, I really, I don't have time for this. Like I'm trying to just grow up is a great dynamic for the MCU specifically. Yeah, it really is. And what they set up and we'll go into those endings soon as we kind of wrap this up. But um, another person Oh, Jacob uh, Bathalon as Ned Leeds, man. Still fucking hilarious. Uh, Ned's getting a little bit older. Uh, I think that we might want to make the cast in the next movie go outside of high school, possibly. Like maybe get towards college. It's not obvious that all of them are fucking, you know, (laughs) uh, not 16. But, um, dude, he looked like he was wearing a lot of makeup. Probably, man. I thought it was cute, though, with him and that girl, how they, they get together on the plane and they're done by the end of it. I thought that was kind of a that funny little joke. Uh, just cute shit like that. I love how awkward him and MJ was. You know, you didn't get to really get to like Zendaya in the last movie. She kind of was just that girl that thought she was too cool. And now, you know, in this movie, she's got layers. Her acting was really well, and I thought they were just – I thought they were cute. I usually hate relationships. There's only a couple that have ever worked for me, and that's uh, Christian Bale and Anne Hathaway, uh, Andrew Garfield and uh, Emma Stone and Tony Stark yep. and uh, uh, Pepper Potts. Uh, fucking, I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, Damn it. This is going to piss Paltrow. me Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, but they, I think they, they nailed that, that chemistry. Now, apparently, uh, John, you're supposed to date the, the, the girl if you're playing Spider-Man because – Kirsten Dunst and Toby hooked up, and we also obviously know of Emma Stone and um, Andrew Garfield. But I love their relationship, and I love that she figured out. And you know, it's such a it's such a kid thing. Like you know, in the comic books, like Spider Man would never be that dumb. 
But in this, it's like Spider-Man's, you know, he just gives it away because he likes her and she's right and he can't fucking lie to her because he doesn't know how to. Like, he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not Spider-Man. Like, I, I just, I, I thought that was a really fun scene. Dude, definitely. Because, I mean, in all the previous ones, it's like they made him too wise beyond his years already. Um, like, you can't just hear one line from your uncle about responsibility and, and know, <laughs> you know, that, like, okay, I can't tell my girlfriend who I tell everything to. Like, dude, come on. But, I mean, they did a great job of the reveal. I, I still hate how the MCU had a tendency of not having any secret identities. I'm like, Spider-Man was the one sacred one that and now shouldn't have not. been told to any of the Avengers. Yeah, and now, especially, he's not. But one thing that I love, now that you're talking about MJ or whatever her real name is, I don't know what her name is. Michelle. Really? Mary? Mary? No, oh God. Yeah, but dumb. But anyway, the thing that I liked about this movie that they corrected, I feel like, from Homecoming is all the political correctness and just political talk at all. Like, they cut it out. Like, instead of her talking about politics and shit and just PC stuff that is unnecessary for a fun movie. She just liked the dark history of stuff, not necessarily PC shit, you know? Like, I like that they uh, oh, yeah. turned it very quickly, and she was, like, just interested in dark history that was about murder and stuff, and that's it. And then they even made a joke of her saying, and that gives me value or whatever. Uh, that was that was a good joke because it was almost like the writers saying – because she said just kidding afterwards. So it's almost like the writer's saying, yeah, we're not going to put that crap in this movie. It's just a fun movie. Yeah, and that's that's what it really should be. That's the reason why I stopped watching Supergirl after a while. I was like, I don't want to fucking watch CNN or Fox while I'm watching a goddamn superhero show. Can you guys right. try to pump up <laughs> fucking political themes? Uh, yeah, I, I, I totally get that. Uh, both both the, uh, the, the teachers were hilarious. Um uh, I loved uh, May and Happy's uh, secret relationship in front of Peter's. I love the Peter Tingle. Yep. yep. <laughs> Peter Tingle. Oh, great! That was great. And she, he tries to sit them down re- to it, figure it, it, out what they are, <laughs> and and yeah. she's like, "Oh no!" Like she's she's more like, "Oh no, we're just casual." And he's like, "What? Who are you talking about?" Yeah. Like just breaks. I love John Favreau. Yeah, me too. Oh man. Yeah, man. I love how they still finally addressed. Uh, but yeah, I like how they address how Spider Sense. God, now I want to just call it Peter Tingle. But how the Spider Sense, <laughs> why it wasn't used in the first one. Because we were all like, dude, so wait, Peter Parker literally doesn't have Spider Sense? Like, he don't, like, what the fuck is he good for? But they finally addressed it like, okay, it's just hard to concentrate on it. And now he's learning. And he learned. He's becoming a man. That last scene where he he gets over all the the things uh, using a spider sense oh was really God. cool. It was like him zoning in on it. That the scene with Mysterio where he messed with them at first, and he sees like the zombie Iron That's, Man. Like yep. that was a really fucking Dude, cool scene. That was one of the greatest scenes I've seen in a while because it was exact. Like I said, it was exactly what I wanted to see in Scarecrow. And Batman Begins, but I get it. Nolan was going for a more realistic thing, but Scarecrow and Mysterio are so badass because they make that happen, and it didn't happen with Batman, 
So I'm so glad they did it with Mysterio and explained it well where it was drones doing it. It makes so much sense, and it looked amazing. I mean, he had a big fist really that punched him, and then he pushed him into a train, like, after tricking him a second time. Like, it, they did a phenomenal job with that. Poor Peter, man. That that train scene, and he's all shaken up. It reminded me, like, right when the vulture takes him down, and he thinks he's about to die. Like, you realize he's a kid, you know? It's it's yep. he, It's... It's he's not just a superhero; he's like a little kid. All right, so let's get down yeah, to we'll, the big things that happen at the end. Um, do it, and then we'll we'll kind of go from there. But all right, so I asked this earlier: Do you think Mysterio's dead, or do you think that we'll see Quentin Beck back? I think he is still alive. Um, for one, he died awkwardly. He just got shot in the leg, and then when he tried to shoot Peter, Peter just punched him, and then he fell down and just like passed out um and b i mean dude they kind of hinted at the sinister six at the end of homecoming with scorpio uh scorpion talking to vulture so now and scorpion asked vulture if he knew his secret identity now the whole world knows um so yeah i think mysterio is still alive for sure i think not only i mean for the fact that this is the mcu where they only kill like one villain Ever, I mean, <laughs> like even Loki's yep. back, sort of. You know what I'm saying? Yep. It's like besides yep. that, Mysterio is literally the master of of you know manipulating reality. Why the fuck would I think that he wouldn't have manipulated that whole situation? So yeah, I don't. I right. also do not do not think. And I loved how the movie ends, but if the that the first credit scene is really the end of the movie. So it's like two different movies, day and night, if you don't see that extra scene. One, you just think him and Zendaya are going off, and they're doing whatever, and I thought it was really cute that she was scared uh, shitless and never wanted to do it again, because it's always like the damn Oh, my God. Oh, oh let's Dude. jump up with you and, and go, go fly. Right, like that like, was incredible, because every other Spider-Man movie, especially Tobey Maguire, the girl's swinging with him, and it looks all beautiful and, like, amazing. Romantic. But, no. Yep, it was amazing how they pointed that out in this, that it would not be gentle and romantic. Yeah, so basically credits come, they come back, the two of them are in Times Square, stopped, he's talking to her, and then we see the return, not the not really the return because it's a different universe, of J.K. Simmons playing J. Jonah Jameson. And they seem to yep. get it. So it's kind of an Alex Jones-ish online conspiracy-style thing. And he's got a scoop, and basically Quentin Beck set up Spider-Man to make it look like he murdered him at the last minute. And J.J.'s got this information, and they reveal that Spider-Man is actually Peter Parker. So they didn't get a chance to do it in Civil War because they just introduced him, but that actual reveal happened, just not from Spider-Man wanting to do it himself. What the fuck did you think from this first uh, after credit scene? Um, so right when it happened, uh, I was like, oh, dude, I know what he's about to do. Like, because when Peter Parker said execute them all, I thought that was a weird line. I was like, dude, why would they tell, why would he say execute them all? It sounds like he's about to kill a bunch of people um, before the movie ended, if you remember that. And then. Yep. When that came up, I was like, dude, Mysterio, 
Hell yeah, dude. I'm so glad they gave Mysterio a more significant role in this. And then JJ popped up, and it was crazy, dude. I, like, Did I you almost didn't believe Did it. Did you see freak out? Um, yeah. I freaked out, but I almost didn't believe it. Like I said, like, I was like, dude, it's a joke. Like, is he, is this a State Farm commercial, or what? what is it, Farmers? <laughs> Whatever he does. We right are farmers. farmers commercial. Bum, ba, dum, bum, 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 bum. But, uh, but yeah, dude, it's amazing. Because we've been talking about that for years. I wish they gave him hair, but it's okay. But, yeah, the Alex Jones concept definitely looks like Alex Jones. Um, and that it was dailybugle.net, not just Daily Bugle. Um, and... Yeah, it was awesome. When they announced his name, though, I was like, why? What's going to happen now? Like, they cannot make another movie before Spider-Man 3 because everyone would know about this. It'd be such a huge deal. I agree. I'm a little concerned about where they're going with it. Well, how about the second ending of setting up the MCU for the next direction? I think we're going, uh, I mean, Kevin Feige already said this, but we're going more into space. It would make a lot of sense that Nick Fury, being as paranoid as he is, uh, John would actually start developing S.W.O.R.D., which is the the space equivalent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what happened is we see Maria Hill, Nick Fury, get in the vehicle, they're talking, they're going back and forth, and then they're revealed as scrolls. And at first I'm like, oh, are these bad scrolls? Like, they've been this the whole entire time? No, it's Ben Mendelsohn as Talos and one of the other, I don't, I don't remember the name of the other person, but just playing them, and then uh, what you call it? Ben Mendelsohn's uh, scroll contacts Nick Fury and lets them know, hey, we got this shit to deal with. Nick Fury's on a beach, or so we think. He's in a projection room. And he pressed the button, and he's in this huge space station. You know, there's a lot of heroes, including Captain Marvel and Thor, that were like, oh, they're not here, they're not here, there's excuses for him, with Talos playing Nick Fury. I'm assuming whatever space mission they're getting ready for, it's involving that. Uh, where do you think this is going, and what do you think about this after credit scene? Much better than Ant playing oh. the drums, huh? Oh, Dane, I'm so glad you asked. Yes. Um, it was really, you know, when that first happened, like you said, the first reaction was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is what I wanted to happen at the end of um, Endgame, really, just to show something. Um, like, holy shit, someone important has been a scroll the whole time since that all started in the 90s, which would have been amazing. But, no, it was just a joke. It was just a funny little clip. Um, again, I immediately went from super excited to – Okay, that's all right. It's, it still explains why Nick Fury didn't know that Quinn Vick was bad. Uh, explains why Quinn, uh, Nick Fury was just, he was out of character the whole movie. So it was all right to me. I was like, okay, fine. And then when I saw Nick Fury at the beach, and then it was just a projector on a scroll ship, I liked it even more because to me it wasn't significant as far as any plots or future plots, it was more significant to showing Nick Fury has been taking a break. Uh, He got back from the, aka blip, and now starts the new saga. Uh, To me, it was more metaphorical than anything else. 
was like, all right, Nick Fury's back on his feet. Now we're getting started with the next saga, the next series of Avengers. Space Avengers. I think there space is actually Avengers. Space Avengers. Um, but yeah, great, great fucking movie. Do you have any last thoughts or statements about the movie itself before we move on? Um, no, it was just really good. The perfect amount of comedy, the perfect amount of action. Uh, Spider-Man became Spider-Man. And I will say that I like what you said about uh, Tony Stark being too connected to him because they need to be done with that connection. Everyone's too hooked on Tony Stark. Like, he's dead. People listening, Tony Stark's dead. Leave it alone. Get over Like, it. there's no theories of him bitch. coming back. Yeah, stop being a Don't bitch. make a petition. Spider-Man's not the new Tony Stark. Like, Spider-Man's Spider-Man, and that's it. Yep, I agree. I did love that scene, though, where Happy was watching him make a suit and smiling, thinking back. Well, but, yeah, I, I, I'm done with all that shit, too. Yeah, dude, it was, it was a great tribute. But that's – we're done now. Like, that's why I think Kevin Feige said it was the end of his saga, because it was like the, you know, like the salute to Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. All right, so now the question is, what do we do in the future? We're probably not going to get Spider-Man. There's not at least one listed um, anytime soon, uh, John. But, you know, obviously that's going to be one of the big things coming up is the third Spider-Man movie, especially what they set up. Um, we know that Sony wants to incorporate things that they're doing, you know, whether it be the Jared Leto Morbius movie or the Tom Hardy Venom or, uh, you know, Carnage that they're introducing with the Venom thing. You know, they got a lot going on on their end. Kevin Feige said, hey, they can do whatever they want. They can have Spider-Man and Venom in the same film. Like, I fucking believe him. Doesn't matter. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think we'll see any type of crossover with Venom? Do you think we're going to see the Sinister Six get made still? What do you think is going to happen? All right. You want to know what I think? No, I just asked you for I no mean, reason. Do... <laughs> uh, so, I think Venom 2 just got announced, right? Can I get a hell yeah? Hell yeah! It... Woo! So, Venom 2 just got announced. I think that if they were fucking smart, which a lot of times they're not, but if they were, they would put Tom Holland in the Venom 2 movie, and it'd be about the symbiote going to Spider-Man because he's powerful because everyone knows who Spider-Man is now, and the symbiote would be like, yo, Peter Parker, I need that. Sorry, uh, Eddie, you're a fucking pussy, and you mumble too much. So I'm going to Peter Parker. So that's what Venom 2 is about and Carnage, the rise of Carnage. And then you bring in Spider-Man 3, which does associate the Sinister Six, but it's almost like Carnage is the overall bad villain, and even the Sinister Six doesn't stand a chance. So then Spider-Man has to come in and kick ass. That's what I think should happen. Otherwise, I'm kind of done with continuing it any further than that because I just don't care. Okay. All right, well... Uh, mine's kind of similar to what you what you think. It, like we have a little while to build up, just work out shit with Sony. I know that we got to worry about mm-hmm. them doing good movies, but somehow Venom made a shit ton, so there's that, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, have form a relationship between Tom Hardy's Venom and Spider-Man. Show that maybe he's on the run, you know, because of what's going on, and maybe that's the reason why yep. they interact. I love your idea of having him have a suit. 
or it temporarily being on him. What I think they should do is have their biggest villains as far as Sinister Six. Um, I'm, I'm even saying you have Vulture, you can do Scorpion if you want. Uh, you have Mysterio, uh, Green Goblin, Doc Ock, Carnage. You know, fuck all the other ones, honestly. Yeah. Uh, and, and Carnage becomes the bad one out of all of them. He kills the majority of them, and then Maximum Carnage could be the next thing that you do afterwards because he's too out of control. Like, he kills everyone besides Norman and Doc Ock. You know, he just murders the fuck out of them, whatever. You know, something like yeah. that. And Spider-Man, Spider-Man's got to get, like, Venom, or they could do a multiverse thing with Miles Morales, or they could fucking bring the other two Spider-Man. They could do a lot of stuff as long as it doesn't suck. Do you agree with that, John? Yeah, oh, dude, I totally agree. I mean, they could even do what, in my opinion, is one of the best stories, the original Spider-Man game for PlayStation, where Carnage takes over... Doc Ock, and he's yeah. Carnage Octopus. I mean, something. I mean, they gotta do something to really capture us and not lead it on too long. That's yep. the main thing. I agree, and I'm also curious where Spider-Man's gonna be on the uh, Avengers. You know, once they kind of get that going on again, it's a lot of questions, a lot of <laughs> what ifs. We. We might not even get really much of an explanation with J. Jonah Jameson. They just might do that as a one-and-done sort of mm-hmm. thing. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. But I will say that I enjoyed this fucking movie, and I definitely think that you should go see it if you're listening. Definitely. But this, this has been another episode of Monday Suck, and I think it was pretty good. I want to thank Chris again. Remember, uh, if you want to listen to Wrestling Geeks Alliance, Wednesday, 7 p.m. EST, go to gvnation.com. That's as in Geek Vibes Nation. GVNation.com. It's got all of our news articles. It's got all of our uh, websites for Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Join them. Start a, co- a, a conversation with us. And also, it's got a hookup for our iTunes account, our Spotify account, and of course, our Blog Talk account, which is what you guys are listening off of right now, and our YouTubes. Speaking about YouTubes, we haven't done anything in a while, but um, you know, there's this show called the Nerd Bros Geek Show, and uh, Basically, if you want to plug anything, John, go for it, uh, whether it be your uh, amazing selling abilities or your show on our channel, whatever you want to do. Well, we, uh, yeah, Joseph and I, my brother, we did a Nerd Bros Geek show. We've reviewed almost every Marvel movie, um, a couple others. So if you want to see another one, we're happy to do it. We love talking. Um, they're funny. They're goofy. They're silly. And they just have normal pin- opinions like, uh, like yours. Otherwise, if you're looking to buy a house anywhere in Georgia, you know, the Kalina Brothers can help you. We're real estate agents. So give us a call, and uh, I'm very happy to be on the show. I look forward to future shows with you, Dan. Absolutely. And uh, just to end this whole entire thing, uh, people were saying that uh, Spider-Man was a financial bomb, and it made over $185 million just domestically this last weekend. So fuck off, morons. Anyways, you uh, guys have a good one. And remember, Monday sucks, so come listen to this show and feel better. Thank you guys so much. Let the Geek Vibes be with you, and peace out.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.